I don't know where my four-year-old picked this up, but uh, she has something to say. Ring, 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 banana phone. Ring, 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 banana phone. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. One of your hosts, D. Simon. Get down on your knees and kiss this man's feet. I'm Lance Wackerly. If I was that dude, I'd be dreaming of boobs. We're going to stay here all night if we have to, so let's get started. Uh, can I go when this starts to suck? Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. And I'm Lance Wackerly. What's up there, Wacker? How was uh, your 4th of July BBQ? It was festive. Celebrated the birth of the nation. Were you wearing your colors? Were you wearing red, white, and blue? or No? No, I was not, sadly. I, we didn't even have any fireworks, actually. I didn't, what? I, I, didn't, I didn't witness a single firework. I heard them around the neighborhood, and I saw them, you know, the rocket's red glare a little bit on my way home one night, but I did not personally partake in any fireworks. You know that one guy that, uh, that, that went to your barbecue last year? I think he was like, I think he's a limey. He's got like kind of premature gray hair. Did you punch him in the face? <laughs> yeah, actually, I didn't see him. I would have punched him. In the face. He's actually Irish. <laughs> oh, you can't okay. you can't be angry at the Irish? No, you because can't. of what the British did. Because they were under the same, you know, uh, repression. Yeah, no, they're under the same oppression as, uh, as we were. Yeah. So, but yeah, but they were too the weak Irish to kick the shit out of the limeys. You know, kick the limeys out of their country and declare their independence. But uh... well, half of them were. <laughs> <laughs> So were there were there any shenanigans? Actually, like when last I was year? in when I was in Europe, there was some major violence going on in Ireland. Some I don't know IRA? if you guys heard about it over here. Yeah, some IRA. I don't know if it's even called the IRA anymore, but some factional Northern Ireland versus Ireland uh, violence going on. Hmm. Yeah. So a couple of people died, even or a reporter got shot. I don't know if he died. Wow, like a bus being yeah. blown up or something. Uh there were just massive riots. Damn. Angry Irishmen, just a bunch of leprechauns running around with like Molotov cocktails in their hands. Well, cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair to say that there was some drinking going on, yeah. So were there any major shenanigans at your barbecue like last year? Not like last year, no, for sure. It was shenanigan-free. Because I remember last mm. year you um, made a declaration that you're done having any parties after that. No more barbecues in my house. You guys party like you're a... You know, a 20-year-old 20, 20 frat boy. Yeah. So there no, weren't... Yeah, it wasn't like that. Oh, that's good. I, I, don't know what the, I don't know what the difference was. Hmm. It's because I wasn't there. <laughs> what could be the difference? <laughs> you and P-Town were not there, and it was very civilized. Yeah, so I don't know where you're going Draw your own conclusion. That. I don't know where you're going with that. We, so uh, I ended up going to a barbecue at uh, a friend of my, my girlfriend, and uh, it was near the Hollywood Bowl. It was up in the Hollywood Hills. This guy has a one of those like Hollywood Hills mansion homes, you know? Uh-huh. And uh yeah. But anyway, what was cool about it is the place was right by the Hollywood Bowl, so you could totally hear the concert that was going on. And it turned out to be Hall and Oates. Wow. And they were shooting fireworks. So we got to listen to Hall and Oates, you know, for two hours or whatever, and then see the fire it was brilliant. It was amazing. I'm still humming their songs right now. I guess that sounds better than my my experience. Yesterday my girlfriend was like why don't you ever put the toilet seat down? I looked at her. I was like, I can't go for that. <laughs> okay, <can't> do <laughs> But if you think about it, though, you know what? Girls always complain about that because then they fall into the toilet bowl. But I think girls need a late night vagina washing. I don't think it's a bad Often thing. They do, yeah. I mean, because girls, the thing is, it's like a fold of flesh, so it's like it's it sweats at night. You know, it sweats, so it's like if they fall into the water. Wash it a little bit, then it's clean by the morning. What well, isn't that? Couldn't you say the same thing about your butt crack? It could, but it I'm just hold. saying that the to- I don't think it's a bad thing that the toilet crosses over into bidet territory when the seat's up. Do you do that to yourself? Do you wash your butthole in the, in the toilet water? <laughs> no, dude, I take a shower. 
I'm a civilized man. <laughs> I'm just saying, I would, if I sat down to take a shit and the seat was up, I'd be like, wow, how convenient. Now I can wash my ass. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Did uh, did you host the uh, annual Lance Wackley jalapeno popper eating contest again this year? <laughs> no, I didn't. You know, I don't think it's a party this year. I didn't. It, I didn't. It wasn't a contest, but I did have a float in the Fourth uh, of July parade where I just threw out blazing hot jalapeno poppers to the children along the route, <laughs> just burning the skin off their little fingertips. Oh, it doesn't even... I hit him right in the face, overhand, with a hot jalapeno <laughs> popper. I don't think it's They're a party, They're not letting though. me back in the parade next year. I don't think a party's a real party unless there's an eating contest. I really do think it's a good idea. Like, I, I mm. on uh, this 4th of July, I actually watched on TV, just a little bit, the end of it, the Nathan's Annual Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's it's actually the Super Bowl of competitive eating. Happened yeah, on July plus 4th. Yeah, it's become a, become a 4th of July institution for America. It's huge. I mean, it's 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 uh, a, a very popular event. It's held at Nathan's famous fast food stand on Coney Island, and the Major League Eating organization organizes uh, Nathan's hot dog contest, and uh, they they have other contests too, like oysters, mm-hmm. cheesesteak, and all that. But uh, this year's winner, who's won it five times in a row, is uh, Joey Chestnut from San Jose. He uh, devoured yeah. sixty-two California hot boy. dogs to uh, win his fifth uh, hot dog eating contest. He won ten grand. And the much sought after mustard yellow belt. Pretty amazing. They wow. even had a female league going on here. So, anyways, I was doing a little research, and uh, another competitor who's uh, a competitive eater that's been in a lot of competitions, uh, pretty high ranking, is a guy named Crazy Legs Conti. And uh, he just came out with a documentary called Zen and the Art of Competitive Eating. It's a documentary mm-hmm. pretty much about his life. So, um,. I emailed him and uh, asked him if he wanted to be on the show. So uh, he, he's down with uh, t- teaching us about eating in the major leagues and, uh, and, uh, and the zen, the art of zen in competitive eating. So, uh, Wacker, let's, let's, uh, let's give Crazy Legs Conti a call right after this message from Audible.com. I can't wait. Uh, people, you know, Audible is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. I think we've said that enough here on the show, and I'm, I hope, I'm hoping that it's sunk in. Because, I mean, we offer spoken audio entertainment. You know, sick and right. wrong here. But it's but, not literary. Yeah, and we're not a provider of, uh, of, of several different varieties. of uh, Not even several. I'm talking 80,000 hours of audio programs. We only have, what, 285 episodes at that, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, go to audible.com. They have over 1,000 science and tech titles, 1,100 science fiction and fantasy titles, 75,000 titles to choose from, every genre. So get a free audiobook download when you sign up for a free trial today. Audiblepodcast.com slash diddle. All right, Wacker. Uh, let's give uh, Crazy Legs Conti a call. Hey, Crazy Legs, this is uh, D. Simon and Lance Wackerly calling you from Sick and Wrong. Hey, how's, how's it going? going? Hey, Very well. Hey, uh, th- thanks for being on the show, man. It's, uh, I'm glad we actually were able to work it out. We've got a suitable time here. Absolutely. Uh, well, you guys are in Oakland, I believe, right? So by now, Flint's Barbecue probably is closed, so it's a good time <laughs> for all of us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, so, dude, i got to say, I'm sorry to hear about your misfortune of not being in the, uh, the 4th of July hot dog thing. Yes, it was tragic uh, in some ways. I was trying to become the first eater in 96 years to eat for 10 years consecutively, but uh, I was undone. You do have three chances uh, to win a qualifier, and there's about 14 in the U.S. and a couple overseas. So uh, the fault is really mine for not eating enough hot dogs, but uh, a little controversy in the last one in Charlotte. Well, so wait, what ended up happening? you gotta, you got to make the cut at different competitions? You, uh, there's a circuit, and uh, it's the same competition. It's hot dogs and buns for 10 minutes, but you have to win a regional qualifier, and they have them everywhere from, you know, Fishkill, New York, to Hawthorne, California. Oh, so did you win any, or did you 
No, if you win, you earn the, the spot to the finals. I ended up, uh, there were a lot of good rookies this year. <clears throat> so four or five guys made their Tony Allen debut. And in both Atlantic City and in Hawthorne, California, I ended up losing to a rookie. In Charlotte, <clears throat> my last chance, um, a guy kind of made a mess of his plate and confused some things, and there was a hot dog on the ground. So in the ensuing controversy, uh, he was awarded the win and uh, I had uh, Isn't that... crying, crying in my Pepto-Bismol. Oh, man. <laughs> Isn't that grounds for disqualification, though, if food falls off the table? Yeah, I think he he claimed it wasn't his. I'm willing to take the polygraph. Uh, it wasn't mine, but that may have been the difference. So, um, But controversy has always followed competitive eating. Um, it seems to be, you know, when thousands of dollars are on the line, yeah. a couple crumbs of fruitcake makes all the difference in the world. That's true. That's true. Well, you know, there's always next year. That's so, true. so Crazy Legs, where where did the nickname come from? Like, is it cool uh, if well, I just I've call you Crazy, crazy legs? legs for over 20 years. So, I, I you know, I pay my taxes in the name, and uh, it is one of the great mysteries. So, um, if I ever uh, so out eat Joey Chestnut, maybe I'll reveal it to you. <laughs> okay, so it's a name. So that's like uh, you you pay your taxes. That's your official name is Crazy Legs. Yes, you know my favorite film director is savage steve holland and no one ever calls him steve holland so i figure there must be a story behind that as well but i don't know what it is well it's a hell of a name so how did you get into this whole sport of competitive eating well i was a fan in the mid 90s nathan's then was a very small contest about 300 spectators they used to have to get people off the street to eat and they actually had it in the alleyway behind nathan's but i knew it was a subculture i would enjoy and I hadn't thought of becoming an eater, but my journey from casual fan to gustatory gladiator took place because I was in New Orleans, and I ended up breaking a restaurant record of 34 dozen oysters in one sitting. Damn. So wait, can I, can I, can I clarify yeah. that? That's not 34 oysters, it's 34 no, that's dozen. No, 34 dozen oysters. Jesus. And that kind of put me on the, uh, the map of the IFOCE, the International Federation of Competitive Eating, um, I was invited down to a speed-eating contest, and this was April of 2002 at uh, Acme in New Orleans, and I ended up winning that in my rookie contest. Uh, I've sort of been chasing that moment ever since, but fortunately it was captured on film in a documentary called uh, Crazy Legs Conti Zen, The Art of Competitive Eating, which I believe is now on Netflix. Yeah, I was, was going to get to that. that, that just, that's the documentary that recently came out, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the footage is sort of from a number of years. We did uh, Blue Underground, and a, and a great 80s horror director, Bill Lustig, was kind enough to distribute it, um, and we put in some extras and had various Coyote Ugly bartenders in burger bikinis <laughs> and hot dog thongs and things. So we really classed it up a lot for the home nice. distribution angle. Oh, and that is nice. Yeah, but, um, and it's available via DVD and Netflix right now, right? Yes, that is true. Oh, that's cool. So what are the biggest major league eating events? Well, they, major league eating oversees about 60 events a year. Um, some of them might be for events like recently in Baldwinsville, New York, was Carp Week. There was a fishing tournament that kicked off with a $10,000 prize salt potato eating contest. But a lot of the circuits, like the Crystal Hamburger Square Off and various chicken wing circuits, have kind of gone the way of, of just becoming one-offs. So Nathan's is the biggest, but I love, you know, cities and foods that uh, I can't get every day. So I always go to New Orleans for the Rouse's Crawfish Championship and Acme Oyster Championship. Wow. Um, but, you know, the Isle of Capri Casino in, in Iowa has done 12 contests with foods from pickles to peanut butter and banana sandwiches. I did 19 of those on Elvis's birthday uh, a year ago. <laughs> That's going to be hard tribute. to do with the peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth as compared to an oyster that just sort of slides down. Exactly. Well, the liquid is an important component, and uh, I use sort of a warm liquid there, but on the end, the last two minutes were sort of a gummy mess in my mouth, so <clears> that <throat> was a tougher contest than I thought. How many crawfish did you get down? Uh, crawfish is on poundage. They have uh, sort of an ancient New Orleans woman with barely a scale counting it, so... In, uh, I think it was a 12-minute contest, the, the poundage was about three pounds, which doesn't sound that impressive, but you've got to pull them out of the shell. So a guy named Adrian Morgan from Baton Rouge had a little bit of a hometown advantage. Uh, in the end, he lost to Sonia the Black Widow Thomas, 
hundred-pound woman with uh, twenty-six world titles. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So there are women in the, in the IFOC as well, right? Yeah, there are a couple. But then what ended up happening this year is that Nathan's announced the women's division. Prior, we had prided ourselves on the fact there was no Title IX in competitive eating. But the truth was only Sonya could compete with the men. So they had a separate hot dog contest. Sonya did 40, won uh, the first-ever women's coveted mustard yellow belt, and $10,000 in prize money, which she was very glad to win. So now there's about four or five other women on the circuit who can uh, put away some food. Oh, that's, that's impressive. So they no longer go head-to-head -head with the men anymore. In the um, normal contest, they will. You know, in the sort of Dorney Park cheesesteaks or um, any of the ones that are kind of the regular contests. But in Nathan's now, there there's two contests. So, so crazy legs. You you mentioned before that if uh, food falls out, you know, there's a there's potential that you might be disqualified. What what are the official rules of an well, there eating used competition? To be really, just one rule, which was if you heave, you leave. If you um, suffer an urge contrary to swallowing or a reversal of fortune, then you're disqualified. But in the age of uh, prize money, which, you know, I came about in the trophy era. I've been doing this for uh, 10 years now, and, and it used to be just for the camaraderie, the competition, the free food. Notoriety. You know, the groupies, exactly. But now with thousands of dollars, people have resorted to a couple tactics like palming, uh, Humble Bob Shout really invented that back at Crab Cakes in Maryland. What is where you're holding You're holding food in your hand, not in your mouth at the buzzer, uh, and then you kind of work it into your mouth because at the buzzer, what is in your mouth counts as long as you get it down in a timely manner. Um, certainly <laughs> muling, which is taking a food stuff and putting it on another competitor's plate, is not seen often, but recently the, the whole dropped food has come to affect a couple contests. Uh, Wing Kong, great eater out of the Drexel Hill circuit, uh, was affected by someone else's potato balls up in uh, Baldensville. And then myself and Charlotte, you know, this errant hot dog, it's kind of like the grassy knoll theory. Nobody knows the where the magic bullet came from. Nobody knows where this bunless magic hot dog came but from. But isn't the event videotaped? Like, are there judges that could go back uh, and There are judges. There's a head judge. There's a lot going on. It is a lot. There are bonnets who are the counters. And, um, you know, they uh, they are basically there to make sure everything goes well. But it's it's the maelstrom of meat. There's a lot, you know, that, that happens. But <laughs> a lot I'm going to go on YouTube. Exactly. I mean, the Kennedy assassination was filmed, and they still don't know what happened there, so... Yeah. yeah, exactly. The Zapruder film of Charlotte has yet to materialize, um, probably in poor taste, but I know the podcast accepts the fact that, you know, there's brain matter and then there's hot dog flotsam and, and some uh, bun shrapnel. You never know. I, I, I don't know. Personally, I think you're a Delta raw deal. So do they, do they drug test these competitions? Uh, like, they I imagine, do not. No, they don't? Because I imagine they marijuana don't. would kind of be a performance-enhancing drug. Am I you correct? I think that, but uh, we ran an unofficial contest at Coleman's Bar and Grill, a grilled cheese contest, and all the competitors were either stoned or drunk, and they mostly just stood around and smiled. So <laughs> it seems to be a deterrent. You've got to have kind of a, a wedge-like laser focus on the target when you're at the competitive eating table. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about. Like, how do you psych yourself up for a competition? Like, what's your training regimen? Uh, well, training, you just want to familiarize yourself with the food. Um, you don't want to go to an all-you-eat buffet. You don't want to try to eat at home or drink huge amounts of anything. Uh, a lot of it is just mind over stomach matter. I've done probably a 1,000 major league eating contests, maybe more, and you kind of know what your body and mind are going to feel like. So go in with a strategy. Know how fast you're going to eat You know whatever's in front of you. Um, for me, coming up, I might have cannolis in September in New York, Italian pastry, I know, you know, how many bites I need to take before I take a swig of some coffee or some water and, and then uh, kind of go to the next one. So mental preparedness is much more important than stomach stretching. So what about... It sounds like pacing is a big deal. You want Tortoise to get into a rhythm. Thing? Yeah. yeah, I mean, this year at Nathan's, I understand that deep dish Bertoletti from Chicago, kid with the Mohawk, he hit 53. Normally he would lose to... Eater X, a uh, guy who wears face paint, who did 45 hot dogs and buns. A lot of that had to do with the rhythm that he gets into 
the uh, manual, the oral dexterity. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are some of these techniques I've read about, like chipmunking? Uh, chipmunking is when you fill your cheeks, kind of utilize all four quadrants of your mouth. You kind of look like uh, Louis Armstrong blowing the bugle <laughs> there. You've got a lot in there. It can be detrimental in foods like chicken wings. If you go to Buffalo for the chicken wing uh, festival every Labor Day, too many wings in the, in the cheeks will really slow you down. Ah, so I've, I've read that Kobayashi actually breaks the food into smaller pieces before eating it. He is a, he is a master, clearly the, the trailblazer, and he kind of figures out what the ideal amount to chew and swallow is, and then he does that every minute of the contest. He's an enigma where his last minute will be faster than his first minute, um, but there's not too many people in the world like him. Is, did he compete in the uh, hot dog contest? He did not. He had a contractual dispute last year, uh, charged the stage, a little bit of a language barrier, although he lives in New York now, and he was actually arrested last year. There was a big sort of free Kobe movement. Um, he wanted to get up on Nathan's and say, give me 70 hot dogs and buns. I'll eat them in 10 minutes. This year, on a, a remote location, he ate next to the TV screen, and he managed to get... 69 HDBs, which breaks wow. the world record unofficially, of course. Uh, Joey's claimed he's done 71 in practice, um, and I've done 90-odd <laughs> cocktail weenies at home just casually. <laughs> so none of that really counts, but it was exciting for him, and I've urged him to, um, you know, tr- sort of find his own path as an independent at this point. He doesn't need to piggyback on Major League Eating anymore. He's a worldwide superstar and an icon of the sport. How many of these guys, these top-ranked guys, are able just to support themselves from the winnings alone? Like, does well, Kobe actually have another job? He does not have another job. Um, Joey has another job, but Joey's probably the only one. He made $218,000 in the circuit last year. Sadly, the number two guy, Deep Dish Bertoletti, made under 40000 So there is some disparity there. Um, Pepto-Bismol's a big sponsor, but they're really only paying for Joey's stomach. So... I'd love to see Nathan's play every place at the 4th of July and, you know, some of the other sponsors to really step up and recognize that these are, you know, gustatory gladiators and we deserve, you know, spinoffs like Worldwide Bidet or, you know, sort of a Cumberbund sponsorship, I suppose. (laughs) Well, it sounds like the sport's definitely grown in popularity in recent years. Absolutely. I mean, there's video games, there's documentaries, (laughs) there's movies within movies and Judd Apatow's world. Uh, the video game is for the Nintendo Wii. It's called uh, MLE the Game. Um, I'm not very good at it. I'm better in real life with Corn on the Cob <laughs> than I am in the video game universe. <laughs> so how many people show up for these things, like these, these competitions, like through, well, across the country? Stillwell and Surf had about 40,000 people there, but a local contest might be a couple thousand even. It's a pretty good time if you can get to you know, an Isle of Capri contest in a casino. It's a real party atmosphere. A lot of outdoor festivals, state fairs hold these. It's um, it's a it's something that always has a visceral response. So men seem to have adoration towards the eaters, and women sometimes have revulsion, but other times, you know, tend to get turned on, perhaps. So I was about to ask you about that. Do you have uh, like uh, you know, in different cities, groupies that just kind of follow the circuit? Uh, there are, at this point, I am uh, relegated to being mostly a wingman for the younger eaters, but there are some great, you know, St. Louis, uh, Milwaukee, all good group. Anywhere they like beer and bratwurst, uh, the women tend to follow competitive eatings. Now, are these groupies nice. attractive? Um, I would say uh, after you eat five or six pounds of food in your stomach, it's the equivalent of beer goggles. It's sort of food goggling. <laughs> so uh, I, I find uh, them attractive, but, um, you know. So what happens after the competition? Like, how long does it take for you to get back to, like, you know, your your appetite, your normal appetite to return? Well, normally, you know, it would be 12 to 24 hours before you eat again. But the problem is if you're in these cities, you know, you want to dine on the local fare. So, you know, anytime I'm in the uh, Oakland, San Francisco area, if I have a contest, um, I'm immediately hopping the, the bar to Emeryville. I'm going to Bucci's which is what I think is the, the best food in the, in the world. It's a beautiful Italian restaurant out there. So I, try, I can't save room for the, you know, the pizza carbonara there, but I'll, I'll make room for it. So <laughs> afterwards, 
you know, you're going to hit the bar, you're going to talk to the fans. Unlike other professional sports, we don't get into a fancy car and drive away from the stadium. We're there to talk to the fans, sign autographs, and then, you know, you can drink pretty much anything you want after you've eaten 10 pounds. <laughs> do most people tend to, like, do they digest all that food or do they purge it? No, you, digestion is part of the game, and the, and the food sponsor is wants its food respected. And the truth is, after I finish a contest, it's about an hour to an hour and a half of interviews and interacting. And by that point, the food is settling. You know, it's the moment at the buzzer, it's the moment right after the contest that you feel that, you know, sort of powder keg effect. But then that quickly subsides and, you know, you, you may be suffering from the meat sweats when the enzymes in your body, you know, <laughs> pair with the nitrates, but you just kind of work through it. So have you ever had to do any, like, uh, just revolting, like, food that you just were like, I can't believe I'm going to eat this? Well, I, uh, I've run the gamut of um, eating butter to see how I'd rank against some of the pros um, to eating my way out of an, uh, an eight, 80, sort of a, a 60 cubic feet popcorn sarcophagus. It was like a telephone booth filled with popcorn. That earned me the moniker, the Houdini of Cusini. So I've done some food stuntmen thing. But I would pretty much eat anything they put on the plate in front of me. There's not too much that, that turns my stomach. Well, you know, uh, Wackerly, you were mentioning that uh, that show Man vs. Food. Right, it's quite popular. It's a, one of my friend's favorite show of all time. Uh, and Dee said that you might, maybe you were on that show? Uh, well, I've, I've, uh, I've met Adam just casually at Katz's in New York. Um, oh, okay. I've done a couple of the... Food Network shows. Unfortunately, a lot of those guys are, are failed theater majors who just <laughs> take the hosting gig. Um, I did one other show, you know, when I was talking the host's ear off about Gooey Duck, the giant clams that I love. Yeah. And he just seemed completely non-pulsed about it. He went farming for him. He could care less. He was looking for some kind of, you know, Velveeta commercial or something. So I'm hoping to get a, a show that can highlight my love of America and the world, kind of in the kind of in the vein of Jack Kerouac and the Beats. You know, this is my on the road. This is my on the plate. And unlike those other guys, I'm not in it for the paycheck. I'm in it for the love. Yeah, it sounds um, like you have the I, passion. Yeah, so that's the thing. New, unexplored foods, um, not just gross-out foods, but um, really that would be the goal. So I haven't seen a lot of what's out there. Uh, I, I do like the Anthony Bourdain stuff because I feel like he really interacts and just gets in and... Um, you know, is open to any food experience. Where, whereas yeah, I good. think a lot of the other guys, uh, it's a lot of pomp and circumstance. Dude, uh, you me- you mentioned the meat sweats, and I actually just I was just in Germany, and I came down with a case of those one day after eating a lot of bratwurst and 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 salamis, and mm-hmm. I think we had some type of a shish kebab thing, and maybe some Turkish food. What, yeah. What's your What's your best cure for that sort of situation, or do you just do you just ride it out? Well, the uh, I did have I wrote uh, my goal is hopefully to be paid for my creative endeavors in TV, film, or publishing. I wrote a, a short essay in the Expert's Guide to Doing Things Faster on how to cure a stomachache. And uh, if you're in Germany, um, you know you, you've overdone the currywurst, which is an odd sort of combination of a right. meat and a kind of liquidy sauce. Yeah. Um, I always go to the Italian digestives. I like Fernet okay. Branca. It's yeah. kind of like Drano for your stomach. Um, anything <laughs> you can do to create a log flume in your lower intestine um, is really going to be for the best. So whether it's water or chinar, which is like alcoholic dirt, get something <laughs> that's going to eat through it and then find a comfortable restroom. Uh, but riding it out is pretty much the only thing. The, yeah. the hair of the dog you know, might work um, with alcohol, but it's certainly not going to work with food. So... Don't start stuffing marshmallows down to think they're going to sop up all that sort of heavy fat. What about a colonic? Um, I, I think generally from what I've seen you know, on the Internet, a, a few sites, they tend to be very messy. So I would say your best bet is just let nature take its course. I agree with that. So when did the, how did this documentary come about? Like were you – did you direct this or write this, or were you approached by a filmmaker? No, it was actually um, co-directed by uh, two people, Daniel Franco and uh, Chris Keneally. They were uh, co-workers of mine at a film company called The Shooting Gallery, and they knew that I was a big fan of competitive eating, that I'd been going to Coney Island. And when I was invited to New Orleans, they thought, hey, maybe we'll film this and 
it'll turn into a short film or something. By the end, uh, Danielle had become a vegetarian, and <laughs> Keneally compared filming it to combat photography. He wow. basically set up the shot and then turned his head away, as he would often be hit by oyster shrapnel or something that, that would make him kind of squeamish. So, I imagine there must be a lot of debris. Yeah, there is. Um, there was one contest where I was chipmunking and, and trying to contain sort of the oysters in my mouth, and one did sort of squeeze out. I wasn't DQ'd, but it managed to land on Miss Louisiana at the time, thus proving that the beauty pageant winners and competitive eating should never mix. And she was pretty mortified. Wow. Okay. So the so the movie's currently available uh, via Netflix or uh, DVD. Yes, it is. It's uh, a modestly titled uh, "Crazy Legs Conti Zen and the Art of Competitive Eating." And, and you... uh, I would I would watch it with a you know a trough of popcorn or something. Yeah. <laughs> At least a trough. And you can get it through your website as well, right? Uh, CrazyLegsConti.com? That's it, yeah. So check out CrazyLegsConti.com or MajorLeagueEating.com and hopefully coming to a city, you know, somewhere where near fans and, and just come up to me after the show and, and we'll chat and you can tell me where there's some good barbecue or a good dive bar and um, I'm definitely going to enjoy life. You got any upcoming okay. eating events? Um, next, hopefully, is Cannoli's, which will be in uh, New York. But uh, the last couple of years, uh, Major League Eating teamed with Navy Entertainment. I've actually traveled to bases in Italy, Greece, Japan, and Guantanamo Bay to entertain the Sailor Soldiers. Uh, Gitmo became Eatmo, and I was fortunate <laughs> enough to have this kind of life-changing experience. So it shows you that you never know where hot dog eating can take you. It took me all the way to the naval base at Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, you, know, you never know. Well, Crazy Legs, thanks for being on Sick and Wrong, man. Absolutely. Keep up the good work, guys, and uh, eat all you can. All right, take it easy. So there's a fascinating man. You'd think a guy like that should have a food show. Yeah. You know, like uh, this. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be interested in the money once he gets the show. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder, though, if a lot of those eaters, I mean, it sounds like a lot of these guys are just kind of in it, you know, just for the love of the sport, love of the food. Whereas, uh, you know. Well, they, yeah, he was saying they used to not even get paid. They would just get trophies and stuff. God, I would hate to be their toilets. You got to admit, I understand he's like, you know, let it pass or whatever. But, dude, there's got to be some like. You know, some real hard time spent on that shitter. Well, he didn't say it wasn't a massive shit. <laughs> he said just just don't force it, I think. Dude, think about passing 62 fucking hot dogs and buns. Plus, pep if you take too much Pepto, you can get yourself into trouble. <laughs> Based on personal experience, just trust me. I don't know, I guess... Um... You, I mean, diarrhea is better than the other extreme. I I find it kind of funny that uh, these chicks go, you know, that, that, that these guys have groupies. I wonder if it's kind of like a feeder, feedy kind of thing going on. No. I don't know. You wonder, like, no. maybe these girls it's are a, like, I just want to cook factor, for these guys. It's a star factor, man. It's the glamour <laughs> of, you know, the, these guys are the superstars. Yeah, it's, it's got to be glamorous. I, I like the fact that there's, like, a whole circuit of these dudes that kind of go around. But it's interesting to me. And, you know, I, um, I've always wondered how it is that they're able to stomach that much food at one time. I, I just know I couldn't do it, obviously. Just takes focus. Maybe Taco Mind Bell. over your body. Maybe Taco Bell. I don't know. Maybe that's what, it. What, bean burritos? I could probably shovel a few of those in my mouth at one time. But have you ever been, like, possessed to, do, to engage in a competition like this? Even for, like, 100 grand? No, but I can eat, like, a whole pizza. <laughs> in, like, five minutes. I mean, you know what is interesting? I didn't actually get to ask him. Like, he mentioned one was, like, a speed-eating competition. Aren't they all speed-eating competitions? Uh, Yeah, I guess that's... Well, Some maybe sometimes you're going against the clock, and the other time maybe you're going for, like, against another person. But, yeah, you're always trying to do it as quickly as possible, I think. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. Well, crazy. Although, I, don't like... if, I don't know if he was timed when he was trying to eat his way out of a popcorn coffin. <laughs> CrazyLegsConti.com. Go check out the website and, uh, yeah, get the DVD. Crazy Legs Conti Zen and the Art of Competitive Eating. Well, wackily, uh, we got a couple phone calls here to the Sick Wrong Hotline. 206-666-3846 is that number. 
Um, before we get to that, here's a word from our sponsor, AdamandEve.com. Hey, kids, do you like sex toys? Yeah! Then go to AdamandEve.com and make a purchase using coupon code DIDDLE. You'll get 50% off your first item, three free adult DVDs, free shipping, and a gift so sensual I can't even mention it on this podcast about murder and bukkake. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, AdamandEve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's DIDDLE, D-I-D-D-L-E, like your uncle used to do to you. So we received a few phone calls, the Sick and Wrong hotline, 206-666-3846 is that number. We also got a couple My Two Cents emails I want to get to, but uh, first, uh, here's a call from someone we haven't heard from in a while. I was wondering what was going on with them. Hmm. Hey guys, it's just me, Rollo. It's been a long time since we last talked. I am calling from the hotel room. I am, of course, with Lance. I snuck away in, inside of his luggage. Uh, I, I'm just calling to confirm that, yes, Lance was with uh, uh, a lady man or a lady boy, however you want to say it. Wait, you went to Europe with Rollo? I never saw him, but that doesn't mean anything. He's probably hiding underneath my shitty underwear. <laughs> Hope you like that in there with you, Rollo, in the luggage. And that, uh, well, uh, he was not on top. Uh, it was quite a sight to see. I'm uh, both uh, mesmer. I was both mesmerized and traumatized uh, watching that. Uh, me, however, I have. Uh, I have, of course, my Dos Equis uh, that I brought. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's very nice time. We are in Amsterdam. It's uh, it's great. There's there's a lot of weed. And uh, me and the prostitute, we have very nice time last night. Okay. Goodbye. I imagine Rollo. <laughs> what what quite... exactly does Rollo do, do with a prostitute? I know. I was wondering about that. I guess give them some shrunken head. I, I don't know. He doesn't have or a body. Just, I bet you he just motorboats them. He can do that. <laughs> Plus, I, when he goes to the, when he goes to the coffee shops where they have the weed, people like mistake him for a bong and try and smoke weed out of him. <laughs> doesn't the smoke just go through the hole at the bottom of his neck? I mean, how does he it's retain still fun. any? It's still fun for him. Yeah, I imagine. Well. um... It's good to see. It sounds almost like you guys were having some kind of menage a trois situation, but it wouldn't really be a menage a trois if you didn't know he was there. No, I didn't see him one time, but I mean, that doesn't mean he could have rolled out the door when I wasn't looking. Hmm. I also like how Rollo thinks that if, you, if you're with a tranny, it's fine as long as you top the tranny. <laughs> <laughs> if you're getting topped by the tranny, then, oh, that, that's a transgression. Then it means it's like uh, gay or something? Yeah. Yeah. But the other way, it's perfectly kosher. All right. Well, it's good to hear from you, Rollo. We got uh, another call here. Tell me, tell me what you think of this. I, I think this is a uh, grade A level sass, actually, coming from a fan. So I just bought one of your T-shirts online, whatever. And I just like to say, once I get in the mail and I start wearing it around, getting you free publicity everywhere and you guys start getting skyrocketing numbers of subscriptions or comments or kudos whatever you get on itunes kudos kudos of my free publicity i'd like to get a gift basket a sick and wrong gift basket in the mail i mean i'm not trying to be greedy right now but i'm just saying whenever i have a direct effect on your numbers just go ahead and let me know so uh, there you go. And don't you think this girl deserves a, a, a gift basket from us, Wackerly? Yeah, you know what I think we should send her? What? Well, now that we use Skype and, you know, our phone calls are much better, as you heard with the interview today, let's send her the old speaker phone. <laughs> That's got to be worth a couple bucks. <laughs> yeah, right? you know, I imagine uh, Crazy Legs Conti wouldn't sound nearly as uh, clear, as crystal clear as he did uh, on Skype on this interview today as he would have on the old sick and wrong speaker phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we should send her that. I don't know. I, w- I was it's thinking... It's got, like, fucking ball milk dust and saliva from us talking to it into it for all those years she would love it 
I don't know. I was thinking something more along the lines of uh, the, I don't know, three-pound bolus of food that Crazy Legs passes after a competition. <laughs> Maybe we could wrap it up. Well, you'd have to wrap it up. <laughs> like sticking wrong wrapping paper, just like me and you, like with our thumbs out, being like, good job. Uh-huh. Thanks for wearing our shirt. Here's a bolus. Well, yeah, sure. Bolus. <laughs> Bonus bolus. <laughs> How about this, girl? Um, fan out there, why don't you send us some pictures... Um, preferably sexy pictures of you wearing the shirt, and then how actively and I can uh, then once we see these sexy pictures of you wearing the shirt, then we can evaluate whether or not um, or the type of gift basket that you'd receive. That sounds fair. I think that's fair. You know, I yeah. mean, I understand right. though. It, it is by her wearing the t-shirt out there, she is affecting. You know, our our she's representing sick wrong, affecting our fan base. So we appreciate that. Uh, people well, call- once we once we see here, we'll find out if she's affecting it in a positive <laughs> or negative manner. People call the Sigrong Hotline two zero six 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 three eight four six. You know, we I want to get some late, lately. A lot of the calls that we get have been well. There's been like these the same three really inebriated dudes that call every week and just leave right. pretty much the same message, but they'll call like five or six times. I want some new people to call. New people on the forum. Give us some stories. Give us some. Give, give us some some new calls here. That's what I want. Yeah, I think I think the listeners probably feel the same way though. They're like, every week I download this show, and it's the same two inebriated dudes going on and on and on. But those are the you know, hosts, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they want that, Markley. That's what they want. They want it. They want it. People call us in online. 206 Even if you say no, that means yes. 3846. Um, well, we did get some emails here. A couple emails, actually. The Sigron Podcast at hotmail.com address. Um, yeah, these are both My Two Cents questions. So let's, let's get the My Two Cents theme song rolling here. Yeah, you got to get that out. My Two Cents with Dean Lance. All right. The first email here came from Unknown. It says, hey, sick and wrong podcast. I don't know if you rate personal stories, but I have one for you. I'm not saying it's me, but have you ever had a little crush on a distant, distant cousin? Let's say someone hasn't seen this cousin since they were both kids, and after a couple of years have gone by, everyone's growing, and they meet back up at a family reunion. You see this cousin for the first time, since you're kids and you think to yourself, wow, if he or she wasn't my cousin, I would definitely try to talk to him or her. But of course you don't, and you never would because of obvious reasons. Incest. Um, at this reunion, you and said cousin exchange numbers, keep in touch because, hey, your cousins, you should do that type of thing. So about a year later, you get an invite to his or her wedding, and you go to support your family. You and your cousin and a couple of other cousins end up hanging out the night before the wedding and have a good time. Then you and the cousin end up in his or her hotel room alone, and it comes out that he or she is in love with you. Not family love, but love love. Things happen. she's about to get married? Or he's about to get married. Yeah. (laughs) And this is the night before the wedding. Things happen. No banging because of you, but he or she tried hard. Furthermore, even after the wedding, you still get and send explicit messages to each other. Is this sick and wrong? Um, do I need to ask? What is your my two cents here? Sincerely unknown. What do you think, Wackerly? Kissing cousins. I yeah, I think you should. Uh, I think the person should steer clear. There's there's nothing but trouble there. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna probably get your ass beat by your husband. Uh, wife. Then you're probably gonna get your ass beat by your dad. <laughs> then you're gonna get your ass beat by your uncle. Then maybe your grandpa, depending on how old. So what you know. if okay, what if there is no marriage coming going on here? There's no wedding. It was just you just ran into each other at a reunion. It turns out you're third cousins. Oh, then I'm not nearly as concerned. Third cousins? That's yeah. nothing. <laughs> so you're just against I, I was first immediately cousins. I mean, I was assuming first cousin all the way. Third cousin? Like like your great grandparents were brother and sister. Yeah, that's what she's or he's saying. <clears throat> that's, that's not even related. Well, the emailer's saying a crush on a distant, distant cousin. I don't know if distant, distant means like you know, distant, distant cousin means a 
while it has a different not, meaning depending on which area of the country you live in. Like if you live in the Appalachian your, Mountains, <laughs> distant cousin could be your brother. But you know, in San Francisco or New York, distant right. cousin is like a third generation relative. You know, I see what you're third. saying. I if it was my uncle or aunt's kid, then I would not. Too too close. But second or third? Third, I don't even consider that person a relative. All right, what if she looked like, um, I don't know, Helen Mirren? <laughs> you just one night, nothing happened. A young you Helen Mirren drunk. or what? Yeah, a young Helen Mirren. Well, I just said I would do her. Okay. So even if would, she didn't look like Helen Mirren. Even if it was a first what cousin? What about you? Oh, first cousin, no. I'm saying first cousin. Okay. That's taboo, man. I kind of that's, ad- like, I, that's like eating cat or something. You know, it's just, it's not done. You know, I totally agree with you. And, 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 you know, to my chagrin, I find out that a lot of my family members are first cousins. And I think that explains a lot about me. And you mean the ones that actually did hook up and have offspring? And got married and had offspring, yes. I think, um, wow. I think a lot well, of Jews all, all can Jews, say that. All the Jews are inbred. Yeah, I know. That's why there's so many Seinfelds and Woody Allen's all running, a, running like, amok. That's what happens when you only choose from your chosen folk <laughs> to, have, to fuck. <laughs> Branch oh. out a little bit. My two cents is... First cousin, definitely no, definitely not. If they're getting married, definitely no, definitely not. Cut that off completely. Mm-hmm. Second or third cousin, eh, why not? Uh, second call here, or second email, came in from uh, Johnny. Johnny writes, hey, Dan Lance, this is Johnny in Japan. I designed your T-shirt on Cafe Press. Oh, that guy, yeah, right. And I have a situation. Uh-oh. Re- recently, I loaned my friend $1,000 so he could pay off a debt and not get his ass kicked by the Yakuza. In loaning the money, I needed something of his as collateral. I wonder what kind of dealings this this friend had with the Yakuza. Do you think it was like gambling or something? Yeah, most likely, or whoring, or drugging. Do the the Yakuza involve themselves in drugs, or is that beneath them? I imagine they involve themselves in any kind of illicit activity of that nature, you know? It's going to turn a buck. Downloading MP3s. But, you know, this, seriously, this guy must have been a good friend because if Wackerly owed money to the Yakuza, I don't know if I'd loan you a thousand bucks. Maybe fifty. But a thousand. Who are you going to do the podcast with after they cut my throat out? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, if you lost a couple fingers, we could still craft. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, if, yeah. They, if they cut your I tongue mean, out. <laughs> I, would, I would give up the fingers if it was like a thousand bucks. So we got something, something of the guys as collateral. My friend who has a hobby of collecting rare and evil objects gave me the option of either his real Nazi flag, which has bloodstains from Nazis on it, or his John Wayne Gacy original painting of Pogo the Clown. It's an original. Yeah. I gave him two months to pay me back, but I heard from another friend that he's in serious debt and owes cash to a lot of people. So I think that the painting is mine for good. Now, here's my situation. The painting is worth a lot more than $1,000. So I could sell it and prosper in wealth. Or although it creeps me the fuck out, I can keep it because it's a John Wayne Gacy painting. And how many people can say that they actually have a real John Wayne Gacy painting? What are your guys' two cents? What would you do in my position? This dude's like 19 or something, isn't he? I don't know, but he wants us to plug his podcast, Got Faded Japan. Got faded, got um, like I got faded in in Japan. Got faded Japan. He, he says it's about where they really get drunk and they read the weekly seedy and twisted news in Japan. In episode, episode fifty five, we go to Rapist Park and talk about the JWG painting and about my friend. So go check out the Got Faded Japan people. But still, that's the matter on hand here. What would you do? Would you keep the painting, or would you sell it? Well, it depends. This is what I'm saying. He's probably he's 19. Is he just going to spend the money if he if you need the money, sell it. But if you don't, it, the John Wayne Gacy painting is not going to go down in value, right? It's only going to go up. So if you can hang on to it, hang on to it. If you don't need the money, That's you can what hang on to it and keep it safe, like in a safe or safe deposit box, and you know protected from the environment, so you're not spilling beer all over it. Or, you know, a friend tags it during your stupid party because you have it hanging on the wall like a dumbass, then no, I would keep it. That is shrewd advice, Wackerly. I, I agree. I would never, first of all, I wouldn't put it in my house because it is creepy. Because the guy was a pedophile murderer. It's just creepy to have his art on your, on your wall. But, but you might be able to use it to get laid also. And that is true. But the fact that there are is, girls who are really into the serial killer thing, and you could say, you know, you're at the bar. 
you know, hey, you know, I don't want to be like a freak or nothing, but I know you're into serial killers, and I actually do have one of John Wayne Gacy's paintings back in my place. Would you like to see it? Good way to hook up with goth chicks. Yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, but but I agree with you. It's not going to decrease in value. I mean, no. this thing if if it's 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 going to increase over the years. So what I would do is put it in storage or or like store it properly or put it in a safety deposit box. Wait like twenty five years and then sell it. Right. Because then it's going to be ready to retire, and you know it's worth you know ten times what it is now. So uh, thank you. Or, or there you go, Johnny. Uh, thanks for emailing us, and I hope that answered your question, people. Send your emails to sickandwrongpodcast at hotmail.com. Wackley and I always like to uh, give out our sage advice. You know, we like to help people in need. Um, if you haven't already, the sickandwrongforum.com is, is, is there just waiting for you to sign up and become part of the sick and wrong community. I mean, seriously, it's like, why not, you know, just visit the bowels of the internet every now and then? I like to. Yeah, I mean, you can see things you've never seen. Did you see that one thread that that guy, what's his name? Got it written down here. Nerd. He said, do any of you clowns grow the sweet, sweet cannabis? Yes. Did you see that thread? I love that thread because it reminds me of High Times. If you've ever read High Times, High Times is one of the magazines I work on at work. And it's just, I love people that pose with their It's a magazine about marijuana. Yeah, it's a magazine about marijuana. But people like, I mean, I I can understand you. You spend all this time and effort and energy into cultivating this marijuana plant. And if it turns out, I guess... I've never had that feeling because the, the the many times that I've tried to grow marijuana, I've just failed miserably. I, you I, don't really have a green thumb. No, I, I don't. I'd say I, I have Jews a brown in general, thumb. Are, Jew, Jews aren't known for really growing things, are they? Jews aren't. Yeah, I mean, maybe, not, the, maybe there's some farmers in the Gaza Strip or something, but I, I think I have a majority. brown thumb because it just looked brown <laughs> and dead. You know, just didn't, not even you couldn't even smoke it. It's terrible. Uh-huh. But anyway, this guy, stop, uh, this guy grew some impressive cannabis. Yeah, I mean, it's for sure. uh, there's some, some funny buds. So, yeah, but what what I love about high times though is you always see hot chicks with just like a big buds. bud over their nipple, hiding their nipple. Uh huh. I wonder if like this dude just finds out like the epitome of porn, pot porn. It's Probably. Hot. Yeah, maybe. Nobody well, took him up on the offer, though. I don't, at, to this point, and I know some of our other listeners grow weed. <laughs> Nobody's taken a picture of any of their pot plants. Yeah, I know. I was wondering about that. I was like, I, I know there's some other uh, marijuana smokers on that forum. Well, but smokers, obviously, but I, I'd be willing to bet uh, that there's also a lot of growers. Eh, most likely. Well, well, I'm sure there's a couple listeners out there that maybe can, find, can trade some techniques. So go to the Sick and Wrong Forum. Click on uh, SigmaRongPodcast.com. Click on Forum. Sign up today. Uh, thanks for subscribing to the show on iTunes. That really does help us out. Boost our exposure. Just go to iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. Subscribe your mother on her computer or your grandmother. I'd probably steer clear of doing it at work. Just because you might get fired. As we I. found e. out last, last week. week. But uh, definitely subscribe to the show on iTunes. Give us a rating. It uh, helps out the show greatly. We appreciate it. Also, we have the Quado tees available at the Sick and Wrong store. I've actually been wearing that tee around quite frequently. Get a lot of comments out of that one. Don't you work from home? <laughs> you haven't left your apartment in weeks. It has been weeks. But I, I've worn it to the <laughs> when bedroom. When you say around, you're wearing it around the apartment? Well, I've worn nice. it to the bathroom. You know, and I, when yeah. I was talking to... I was having a conversation with the soap the other day. Mr. Toothbrush? <laughs> Your water co- cooler conversation with Mr. Shaver and Mr. Toothbrush. You know, Wackerly, this is the only communication I have, actually, this podcast <laughs> via Skype. I mean, besides yeah, that, I'm just, uh, yeah, working from home. Uh-huh. It's all online. I, I never even leave this, this closet in which I live. <laughs> so when you say bathroom, you mean that <laughs> trash can behind you? But seriously, though, people, the new Quando t-shirts are available. I'd say it's the best sick and wrong shirt that we've had, really. Um, thanks to Devin from Minnesota for designing that one. It looks incredible. Uh, Devin's a self-employed tattoo artist, so uh, um, if if you want, I could put you in contact with him, and he could d- design you a custom tattoo. I might actually try to get him to design one for my friend. My friend Kessler contacted me the other day saying he's planning to get a roadhouse sleeve down his left wow. arm. And I told him, that's I was like, amazing. dude, that's a brilliant idea, but I think you need to get that first and then the right arm over the top sleeve. How cool would that hmm. be? I could... I'm not so into the over-the-top sleeve. I mean, I would think even maybe like Dirty Dancing or something. Oh, so you're saying or so, keep or it all Swayze? 
<laughs> or, I mean, I always associate Swayze and Kurt Russell because they used to have the same hair. Ooh, Escape so maybe from New Kurt York, Russell. Yeah, yeah, that might that, work. That would be better in my mind. Well, I'm sure Devin could design both for you. So uh, thank you, Devin, for designing our Quado shirt. And people, go get your Quado shirt today. Go to stickerongpodcast.com, click on store. All right, we've got to get out of here. Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. Um, I'm going to dedicate this one to Crazy Legs Conti. Weird Al's Eat It. When's the last time you heard that? Oh, it's been a long time. Weird Al has a new album out, though. So You know, Alpocalypse, dude. It's his highest yeah. ranking record of all time. Do you know that? He's a big deal. It's, it's, you know, it, it blows my mind that Weird Al is still relevant in this day and age. Why would that blow your mind? No, but it's I mean, perfectly you know, reasonable. There's a lot of artists that don't have the longevity and the talent and the skill that Weird Al has. Yeah, that, so that know? explains why he's still relevant, and they've been relegated to the dustbin of history. Exactly. He's, his albums reach Apocalypse has reached number nine. It's a great album. People go pick it up. But I was thinking for Crazy Legs, do you think he has like theme music when he's training, like with hot dogs or crawfish or whatever it is that he eats? Um, do you think he has like theme music? Because I would either use Eat It or maybe I Love Rocky Road. A Weird Al <laughs> theme song, you know, like a food theme song to yeah. train with. Yeah, we should have asked him what his, what his psych out music is. I mean, maybe it's like Lamb of God or something, too. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's kind of heavy. Probably put you in the mood. It could, yeah. You know, you never know, though. It could be Edie Brickell. You, you got to get know. pumped up. We're going to end the show here with Eat It by Weird Al. Uh, thank you, Crazy, Crazy Legs, for coming on the show. It was a fascinating interview. People, we'll be back next week great. with episode 286. Till then, take it sleazy. Burp.